Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure. We're happy to be visiting today with Chris Hansler. Chris is the relatively new executive director of Pacific Region. Chris, thanks for joining us. Good to be here. Thank you, Randall. Now tell us, uh, for those who don't know, Pacific Region comprises what states? Oh boy, this is this my is a test. test. This is a test. You got to get my this right test. now. You know? <laughs> if I leave one out, I'm going to be in trouble. Uh, Alaska, yeah. Washington, Idaho, Oregon, Nevada, California, Utah, Arizona, and Hawaii. Ah, so you passed with flying colors. So in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> we want to get to know you today a little bit, Chris, in the time that we have. So tell us a little bit about, about your background, you know, where you grew up, went to, you know, where you went to school, your family. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I, I grew up in Tacoma, Washington, uh, just south of Seattle. <clears throat> and uh, my family, uh, you know, grew up there as well. My parents grew up in Tacoma. So I was born in Tacoma, Washington. Um, I, uh, you know, of course, went to school there, public school, uh, all through there. I was, uh, my, I was raised in the Baptist church with my parents and, uh, there in, in, uh, Tacoma. Uh, I, I don't know if you want me to get into this story quite yet, but, uh, then I, from Tacoma, uh, I went to Eugene and uh, went to Eugene Bible College, and uh, that's a story in and of itself, how a Baptist kid wound up at Eugene Bible College, but it was because of my best friend growing up. Uh, my best friend growing up was uh, attended Bethany Open Bible Church in Tacoma, Yes, and now Canyon Ridge. And uh, so he convinced me to take the one-year program at Eugene Bible College, and so I did. And the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> That's great. A buddy got you going there. That's we'll, right. We'll follow up on that a little bit later, but somewhere yeah. in that journey in there, you you became obviously a follower of Jesus. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. My dad came to Christ when he was 40 years old. My dad was an attorney. He uh, was doing well as an attorney, kind of seeking the, uh, you know, uh, the up and coming, you know, uh, uh, growing, growing family, had his, you know, just built his house that they'd wanted. And um, he, but he, he, he tells the story, he told the story that in all of that he had, he was still feeling some emptiness. So he came to Christ, uh, a, a gentleman from the Baptist Church in Tacoma led him to Christ, a businessman. And uh, he came to Christ at 40. I was five years old when my dad came to Christ. I'm the youngest of five kids. So I have uh, three older sisters and an older brother. And so I was the youngest and at five years old, my dad came to Christ. And so when he came to Christ, he immediately began attending church um, and he brought us with him. He and, uh, he and my mom brought us with him, so that's why I began attending the Baptist church as a, as a small child. 
Um, we were there all, all the time. Um, my dad ultimately served on their board. And um, that introduced me to who Jesus was. I, I walked down the aisle of that Baptist church in April of 1974, and I gave my life to Jesus, and I was baptized that Easter. Uh, but I, I honestly really became a disciple, uh, began to know what it meant to follow Jesus in a deeper way in high school when I got involved with Young Life. So I got involved with Young Life, and there was a Young Life leader who took me under his wing and uh, really began to disciple me, uh, invited me into a discipleship group called Campaigners. I began going to Denny's at 6 a.m. every Thursday morning. And <laughs> he, hey, you're uh, becoming a disciple for sure then. <laughs> <laughs> and he... He, uh, he, me and a, another group of, of high school guys, um, he began to disciple us. And um, that's when my relationship with Christ really began to be very real in my life. Well, then, then let's swing back where you told yeah. us how a, a buddy convinced yeah. you to go to Eugene Bible College. Somewhere, at, at some point in all of this, and you're growing in the Lord and following him as his disciple, you you became aware that God was calling you to serve in some aspect of ministry. It may not have been when you first went to Bible college, I, but, but when was it? How did God unpack that for you? In other words, how do you hear the call of God, Chris? Yeah, I'm a little slow. Let me just start with this. <laughs> Are we all? <laughs> I'm, I'm a little slow, and it takes a few asks for me, but... Um, yeah, uh, so my buddy, um, Todd Staxit is his name, uh, best friend since we were five years old. He had a little sister named Lisa Staxit, who I'm now married to, by the way. Uh-huh. Uh, so, thickens. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's a whole nother story. But, but uh, Todd, uh, best friend, attended Bethany Open Bible. I remember in ninth grade, he invited me to come to his church on a midweek service. I don't, I don't know if it was a youth service or some, some other kind of service, but anyway, he invited, and I'd only known the Baptist church. That was my only experience. Mm-hmm. In the Baptist church that I was in, um, you had asterisks in the bulletin that told you when to stand up and sit down and uh, what <laughs> yes. pages to sing and, right. and uh, all of that. And, and uh, so that's, that was my context. Well, he invited me to this to this open Bible uh, service. So I said, okay, I'll come. And I went, I walked into that service and people were standing and clapping and hands raised. And I was already nervous just walking into that. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then somebody, of course, in a, in a moment of pause in the worship service, uh, took that opportunity to speak in a language I'd never heard before. Oh boy. Yeah. And uh, this particular person was kind of a shrieker. And, uh, <laughs> and, <got> so, <laughs> and so, so um, it scared me so bad. Uh, I, I didn't go back to that church. I swore I was never going back to that church. So hmm. now remember, this is Bethany Open Bible. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> so, so then I, I, uh, 
you know, that was my exposure to open Bible. But I got involved, as I said, in Young Life. That Young Life leader um, took me under his wing. He, he recognized that I, I liked to play the guitar. So as, I, as he took me under his wing, uh, he started utilizing me for uh, playing the music for Young Life. Um, and then he started getting me more and more involved in the Young Life leadership. And I, uh, you know, he believed that there was something in me that I could contribute uh, he got me involved in uh, serving in, in different capacities. That's when I started to get a heart to serve people and serve in ministry. It's because of him uh, and taking me under his wing. When Todd, and, and, by, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was, I was pretty passionate about my walk with Christ. And so uh, my buddy Todd said he was going to the Bible school for the one-year program. I said, I think that would be a good foundation. Somehow my parents let me do it sight unseen. They let me go to Eugene Bible College for the one-year program. <laughs> and uh, I went, and my plan was to be a teacher uh, and to be involved in music some way. So I went for one year. I left that after one. I had a great experience. Um, got introduced to the Holy Spirit in many different ways, unique and different ways, um, it opened, expanded my horizon on who the Holy Spirit is. I left Bible college after that first year, went to Seattle Pacific University to pursue my education degree. And uh, after I was, I was housed with a, with a uh, Saudi Arabian Muslim. That was my roommate in that uh, experience. Mm. Had great opportunity to share Christ uh, in that quarter and realized at that quarter that God was calling me back to Eugene Bible College. So after the first quarter of my sophomore year, I went back to Eugene Bible College, spent uh, three, uh, well, finished there. <clears throat> I didn't know I was even going to be a pastor still till my senior year. And that's when God really sort of cemented it in me. I did my internship in my junior year, guess where, of all places, but at Bethany Open Bible Church, <laughs> church I swore I would never go back to. God does and, have a sense of humor, too. You know? He does. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and there was another pull there because Todd's little sister, who I never really recognized, I never really, I never really noticed Todd's little sister until something happened when I, was a, you know, when I was a senior in high school. I started noticing he had a little sister that was a year younger than him. So I started going to his house for other reasons. She, of course, she of course also attended Bethany Open Bible. Uh, and so um, her parents were charter members there. So, so uh, you know, I, I go to Eugene Bible College, and I had this long-distance relationship with Lisa. And um, it was in my junior year I did the internship there at Bethany. Uh, I knew God was calling me to ministry. So I asked, actually, in my senior year, I asked the pastor, Ole Hansen. I said, Ole, do you have a position there? Uh, I'd love to come back to Bethany if there's something there. And they didn't have a position. Of course, Doug Trenum was a youth pastor and associate pastor there. Um, I said, well, okay, I'm coming anyway. And uh, so I went, and they uh, they welcomed me and opened it up and uh, wound up becoming the youth pastor there. Doug was instrumental in that. And um, that was my first ministry experience. So that's the sort of roundabout way God called me into ministry. 
So roundabout's a good word, I think, because yeah. sometimes we know some people hear this, just this, almost this voice from heaven is very clear and unpacks it for them all at once. But for many of us, like you, you're saying it's it's kind of an incremental thing, isn't it? It yeah. happens along the way. And, yeah. and God uses a variety of means, including your best buddy's little sister. God can work through everything. Yes. So, so uh, it's quite a draw. Uh, obviously, and it's been for how many years now has she been a draw for you? Uh, this will be 35 years of marriage. Oh, congratulations. So tell us a little bit about your family, where your kids are today. Yeah. Um, yeah, married 35 years. Uh, we have three wonderful children. Uh, my oldest, uh, Robert, is 30 years old. He lives in Portland. He uh, he actually lived in in uh, Massachusetts till fairly recently. He's a composer. He's a musician, um, but he felt at the age of 29 that that uh, he wanted to do something a little different. So he decided to pursue law school. So he's in law school mm. uh, at Willamette University in and uh, lives in Portland, Oregon. Uh, married, and then uh, my second son just this summer got married. He's 29 lives in the Seattle area. He is a programmer for Uber. Um, and so uh, then my third is Annie, my baby girl. She's 28. So 30, 29, and 28. And uh, she is living in Los Angeles, California. Uh, she is in uh, uh, marketing for a uh, fashion company in Beverly Hills. That's what she does. So uh, those are my three kids, and uh, yeah, I love them and miss them. They're too far away. Yeah, I understand. That's great. Thankful yeah. for our families. Yep. You know, I'm also thankful when I hear someone share about their story, their journey, and your testimony. God works through every aspect. For you, it even included the asterisks and the bulletin in the Baptist church. It was all part of God's glue and bringing you together. But you've been a part of Open Bible now for many years, and, you know, you wouldn't have to be. Uh, why are you a part of Open Bible? Obviously, you have a position now with Open Bible, but what does it mean to you to be a part of Open Bible? Uh, yeah, I, so all the way back to Bible school, I just developed such great friendships, Randall, um, in that college experience. Guys like Scott Lelisher and uh, Gary Moreno and, um, you know, eventually people like Gary Kahn and just different people who just became dear friends. Um, and they were, these were open Bible people. And they were instrumental in introducing me to, to this Holy Spirit. Mm. Uh, and I had, I had heard of the Holy Spirit, um, but I, I had not experienced the Holy Spirit in the ways that I did. Uh, than in Bible college and, of course, since. And so that was my introduction into open Bible, of course, well, outside of the shrieking uh, in ninth grade. <laughs> By the way, I got to know that woman when I became on staff uh, at Bethany Open Bible much later. So um, I, I, under, I understood her better then. Anyway, right. <laughs> anyway I uh, so... So then I, of course, got involved with Bethany Open Bible um, on staff there. Uh, and, you know, I just love the people. I just love the people of Open Bible. I worked with mm -hmm. 
these youth pastors who became just dear friends. Yes. And we, we, we had vision together and we believed together for good things uh, up and down the coast, you know, and because now my friends were spread out in youth positions all around. Um, then I was given opportunity to serve as a district youth director. And um, I got, I got involved in different aspects, a broader scope of open Bible in that way. Then I moved to Tahunga, California, where I served under uh, Paul Plummer and uh, just got to know a whole nother dimension of open Bible that way. So the, and then planting a church um, and just the support I received for that vision by people like Don Bryan and Jim Barr and different ones. It's Randall, the reason I'm in open Bible is because of the people mm. in open Bible that That's have great. loved and supported us. And I, I would say that there have been times where I've wondered you know, is, is this the right fit for me? Is this the right place for me? I think we all, I think we all go through times where we feel isolated or we feel whatever mm -hmm. our issue is. Mm -hmm. um, but number one, I knew God called me to this family and that calling matters to me. And I, I'm a believer that when God puts you under spiritual authority, that um, there's a significance to that and you got to honor that. Uh, but number two, um, in some of those times, it was always people with an open Bible who were friends and who had, I had a relationship with who pulled me back in. Um, even this last couple of years, when my wife was going through cancer, I've never been more grateful for the open Bible family than I have in these last two years because they have surrounded us with just such love and faithful prayer uh, and um and we've recognized this is our family. And so, um, you know, and this is a place that, that for whatever reason, I've been given opportunity to serve. And so that's why I'm in Open Bible. I think all of us could say for whatever reason, and it yeah. is for his reason that God does that. Well, I'm thankful, for one, that you are a part of Open Bible Churches, Chris. I think I first got to know you really much better, at least at the beginning, was when we took a trip together to Jamaica with all the youth leaders. We had a great time there. Yep. Yeah, we did. Yes, we did. Uh, now, you're, you're currently serving as the Regional Executive Director for Pacific Region. For those of listeners who do not know, in Open Bible, we have five regions. And Chris is the one for the West Coast, the Pacific Region. Uh, you know, there's a job description for that. But would you help us just describe in your own words from your heart what you see as your role and mission serving in this capacity? I think there is really one, it comes down to one thing for me, Randall, and that is I, I believe that my job is to serve and support the local church. That everything we do, everything I do, should be to serve, strengthen, mm -hmm. and support the mission of the local church. Good. And um, I think if it doesn't serve that purpose, if it doesn't strengthen the local church, then we're probably doing the wrong thing. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's how that's how I see it. Now, those churches, of course, are part of this Open Bible family. So it's it's serving and supporting and strengthening the local church within the Open Bible context, but um, I, that's, that's my job. I, I believe that if, if I can help strengthen and support, serve the local church, um, 
that's that's what I'm called to do. Amen. Amen. Well, let, let's take like a 30,000 foot uh, view of America yeah. and the greater evangelical church. We're a part of that. But look, all of the evangelical church and the movement of, of evangelicals in the United States. Chris, is there anything that concerns you, maybe even troubles you about that today? And in all fairness, I have to ask you, what encourages you also? Yeah, I think it's pretty much perfect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, well, we'll move on then. To the next <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that's a big question because the what's fascinating about the, evangel- the word evangelical church is the spectrum is so broad. Yes, it is. <laughs> that is included in that word evangelical. So is there anything that concerns me? Yes. Um, there's, there are some things that concern me. I, I think that, uh, well, number one, it concerns me that because that spectrum is so broad that we're divided uh, as an evangelical church. Uh, we, there's too much bickering with one another mm-hmm. among, among mm-hmm. the things that aren't central Yes. to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's one thing that bothers me. Uh, it's it's a dangerous exercise to go on Twitter if you follow evangelical leaders uh, because it's just full of people mad at each other, and that yes. bothers me. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, I guess, that that is troubling to me is I, I do believe within the evangelical church uh, we have been, ah, boy, <laughs> I, I think we have been a little too connected. Uh, we, we've we've conflated too often our Christianity, our walk with Jesus, with our politics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe that Christians should be engaged in their in their communities and in civil in our in the in, in civic discourse, but I think we have too often conflated the our Christian. Um, beliefs uh, with political ideologies, and it dilutes the message of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it further divides us in ways that we should not be divided. I believe we should not speak as followers of Christ, as leaders in the church. Not, I don't think we should speak politically. I think we should speak prophetically. And so um, I believe we should be involved in the political realm. I believe we should have an opinion, but um, I, I've seen too much of uh, of a uh, sort of conservative evangelical world too closely connected with the conservative political agenda, and um, we lose our message and we lose our power mm-hmm. when we do that. So Christianity ought to inform our politics rather than politics informing our Christianity then. Yes. Yes, that's right. So that's a concern. That's it's, it's a good word. Um, yeah. So what encourages you? Yes. Um, the things that encourage me is that um, I believe that the gospel is still the hope for the world. I believe that the church, the local church, the mission, the message of the local church is still the great hope for the world. And I see that message continuing to go out. And I see it right now in the midst of this pandemic going out in unique and creative and innovative ways mm, that maybe yes. we would not have thought about That's right. had not this 
pandemic hit us. I don't like this pandemic. I don't like the restrictions, but I love seeing the church rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit in creative and innovative ways to reach people in ways that we might not have done had we not been put in this place. And I think often it's our lack and it's our um, it's need that causes us to innovate in Holy Spirit ways. And I, I love seeing that happen. Amen. That's good. Yeah. I think you may have touched upon this earlier, Chris, uh, in uh, talking about your journey. Uh, you know, more than one observer of leaders has uh, pointed out, has been a part of research, that most effective or successful leaders today, whatever the their walk of life is, part of their journey has been they walk through a valley of testing or a crisis. And, uh, you know, for Christians that it was – it was at that point they could say, you know, God did some of his most important work. They were life-defining moments for me. Can you personally relate to that observation? <laughs> yes. Um, yes, I can. Uh, and there have been several, and, and, and they have been on different scales. Um, <clears throat> you know, everything from uh, on the smaller scale, uh, my first ministry transition moving from um, Tacoma to Tahunga, uh, I we were very secure in in our place there in Tacoma. We just had our first child. We just bought our first house. Things were going great in our youth ministry. We were at our family all around us, all the security in the world. And God called us to Tahunga. I said no twice, of course. Remember, I said that I'm a little slow. Uh, when God speaks, uh, I said no twice, finally agreed to move to Tahunga. And I remember the Lord spoke to me and he said in that, in that time, I heard this statement. Uh, it was actually from Chuck Swindoll. He said, uh, the call of God does not, not always require an explanation. It always requires obedience. Hmm. He was, he was hmm. talking about, of course, Isaac uh, sacrificing his son, <laughs> which didn't make any sense. And it was in that context, that message, I heard that word. And, and that's, that's one of the confirmations that sent me to Tahunga. So anyway, you talk about crisis. I remember going down there. I didn't know anybody. We didn't, um, we didn't know what our income would be. We didn't know what our salary would be. We just knew God had called us. We moved down there. Um, it was a, a completely different culture. I got about two weeks in and I thought, what in the world have we done? And, um, because we'd left everything we'd known as secure. But that, and this was, again, on the lightest side of my crises, that particular one for me, that four years in Tahunga became the most life-shaping, uh, ministry-shaping uh, time of our ministry life. It, it, it helped us form our ministry philosophy, um, helped give us a heart for lost people in ways that we'd never had before, helped give us a faith. Um, to trust God in our financial, in the financial realm that we'd never had to do before to that point. And um, it was out of that, that God called us to plant a church because of that experience, because of that little crisis. We've had much bigger crises than that, Randall, um, without going into great detail. Um, you know, uh, I've had a couple of times where our kids, uh, and if you're listening, kids, I love you. And we all know this story together. So uh, <laughs> uh, a couple of times when our kids um, 
have made choices that are different than our choices in regards to values, uh, in regards to um, uh, seeing, you know, seeing things through a different lens than we do, uh, you know, in, in, val- in, in ways of values or belief. We had one of our sons who, who said that they didn't, um, didn't think they believed in God. That was a huge crisis for us. And we had to, qu- we, we, in fact, I, I will tell you that I, I had times when I questioned whether I had credibility as a minister. That uh, if my kids don't follow in the exact same way that I'm going to lead, am I still qualified to be a minister of the gospel mm-hmm. of Christ? Even though they're adults and they get to make these decisions, yes, um, I and my confidence was shaken. Um, but but out of that, again, God has uh, built into us a greater understanding that sometimes you asked one of the concerns I have about the evangelical church, sometimes. Um, our tone. One of the things I learned in through through some of those challenges with my own kids is sometimes our tone in the evangelical church about those who hold, hold different values than we do. We have sort of an us versus them mm-hmm. uh, mentality sometimes, and it comes out of the holiness movement that will, of which we came out of, right? And come yes, out of their midst yes, and be yes. separate. But sometimes what that can do is it can create this us versus them rather than us being among them. And, and, and we create a tone because they see things differently than we do and, and, they, and they act differently than we do or they believe differently than we do. And I learned that sometimes the tone in the evangelical community is not helpful to reach those who hold different views than us. And so God has developed in us, hopefully, a greater understanding and a greater empathy for those who maybe see things through a different lens than we do. So that was another crisis. The third crisis, I'm probably taking more time than you wanted because I have crises in my life. (laughs) I did ask, didn't I? (laughs) The the most recent one, of course, Randall, is when my wife, um, uh, we we found out she had breast cancer. Mm -hmm. The end of 2018. And there's a long story there. I'll just say that, um, my my wife's mother died on the day that she found out she had breast cancer. Wow. And my father had just recently passed. The next week, we were moving my mother with dementia into our new home that we had just purchased. So in a, in a period of about 10 days, my wife lost her mom. My wife found out she had cancer, and we were moving my mom with dementia into our new home that we had just purchased. And um, it was quite a time. And... Uh, uh, but again, it was through that uh, time, and Lisa's doing great now. Uh, she's healthy. Yeah, she's we rejoice. CT scan. She's she's on the men. She's great. feeling strong. Praise the Lord. Um, but it was through that. I've never felt such a tangible effect of prayer as we have in these last two years. Um, God is faithful, and God has drawn us closer to Him, and. Um, we're, we're, we couldn't be more thankful. So in each crisis, God's taught us some powerful things. And through it all, indeed, God is faithful. You. you know, on this podcast, we focus on the roads in life that we travel. And there are many roads throughout life. And, you know, some of them aren't productive. Some of them are painful. Some of them, some of them are dead ends at times. Uh, there are some roads, you just talked about one that it just feels like they've been assigned to us and we just find ourselves on the roads and just ask God to help us. 
you know, to traverse them. Some of those roads, we're just saying, I just, I'm thankful for God's mercy and grace that we made it through there. But, but there are also those roads that we choose, Chris. Yeah. Uh, those roads that are just so pivotal and really life-defining that, you know, when we look back on them in life, we can say, you know, I wouldn't be here today had I not taken that road. That road was so instrumental and so, so vital to who I am and what I'm doing today. Could you share with us a little bit about some of the better roads you've chosen in your life? Yes. Uh, one of those would be that move to Tohunga, California that I already shared. Um, it would have been easy to stay where we were, we were and be secure. But I believe strongly in the call of God. Uh, I believe we need to be wise. Uh, I believe we need to be informed. But I believe what rises above everything is the call of God. Because, and we, and we, went, to, we went to Tahanga because of the call of God on our life. And God called us there. And, and he spoke clearly about that. Because it's the call for me that when you're six months in and, you, and you're facing trouble, which you will when you've answered God's call, That's right. and uh, you have opposition and you have struggle, mm-hmm. if, if you can go back to that point where God spoke to you, and it wasn't just an opportunity, mm-hmm. it wasn't just a decision because, oh, this looks like a great opportunity, but it was a call, then you'll stick through the difficult times. That's good. If it's because if it's an opportunity, when the opportunity goes bad, you'll look for a better opportunity. Mm. Um, but the call will hold you. Uh, the, second, the second road, I would say, Randall, is when we made the decision to plant a church in Puyallup, Washington. Again, we had other possibilities we could have chosen out of Tahunga. We, you know, our, our pastor had retired at the time, Paul Plummer. And so um, we had other chances uh, or opportunities we could have taken, but we had sensed a strong call that God had called us to plant a church in Puyallup, Washington. And uh, we'd asked for the blessings of our regional director, Don Bryan, our district director, Jim Barr, all the pastors in that area. And we went and we went to uh, nothing. <laughs> we we went from a salary and security and three young kids, again, to a place where uh, we were going back home, which was great. We had that security, but I didn't have a job. Um, I didn't have an income. <clears throat> we moved in with Lisa's parents. I started a landscape business. Uh, I went to work for a building services company where I swept parking lots from three in the morning till nine in the morning. And then I did my landscape business from nine in the morning uh, throughout the day. And then we planted this church. My kids were four, three, and one. And um, it was tough, but God called us to do it. And uh, and I, I would say uh, of the better roads, I couldn't be more grateful for the experience we had of planting that church and seeing people find Jesus, seeing many, many, many people come to Christ and then be sent off into ministry. I think another good road that thankfully by the grace of God we chose is the commitment that we were not going to be a church that 
just kept people, but we were going to be a church that sent people. And so we had the opportunity to send five different people out of our church to plant other churches. And that was hard every time. Um, losing them and seeing them go would have been easy to keep them with us. But, you know, I figure if God would send his son, um, the right thing for us would be to be people who would sending, be sending people as well. And so um, we made the cho choice to send and it was a good road for us. Um, so I, I actually think the road, I actually think the decision for us to resign and step down from our church uh, at a time where we felt like it needed a new leader, it needed a new voice was a good road for us. And, um, and I, I am uh, one month into this position, Randall. Um, I'm praying that this is a good road. <laughs> I'm going to give you testimony. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm on the, the on-ramp, getting ready to merge into yes. the traffic. So yes. <laughs> uh, we'll see how this road goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I rejoice with you. It's, it's just such a delight to hear the journey of someone who uh, has been faithful to the Lord and has, uh, gives a testimony that God has been faithful in every step of the way through the good times and the difficult times. And then to hear you share about the better roads you have chosen. I hope that's been an encouragement today. I'm sure it has to people who've gotten to know you better. Uh, Chris, thanks for uh, being with us today. I really believe in you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And we thank you for joining us today on this Better Roads podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time. You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.